there is. How do you apply spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions, and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on Say Yes to Spirit. My name is Tracy, and Leslie will be joining us in just a minute. And um, I'm so, so happy that you have decided to spend a little time with us, whether it's live right now or whether it is by listening to this in the archives and, uh, and the recording. Because what I know is true is that every time we gather together in this format to talk about whatever the topic is or to consider whatever the topic is, that we are saying yes to spirit. We are saying yes to spirit being alive in our lives. We are saying yes to spirit being our guide and our direction. And we are saying yes to ourselves, remembering that spirit lives within us, spirit lives through us, and our way of being in the world could be as easy as simply saying yes to spirit. Every week when we do the show, we select a theme, and sometimes the themes are deeply spiritual, and sometimes they are not. But what we have found is that every topic has a connection to either saying yes to spirit or by saying yes to spirit, how do you navigate that particular topic. Today, the uh, topic is prayer consciousness. And if you were able to see the summary online, some of the things that we'll talk about today are when you pray, like whose consciousness are you changing? Or how are you changing consciousness? And do different types of prayer require different consciousness? And if I pray for you, can I change your consciousness through my prayer? Lots to talk about, lots to think about, and that's where we'll be going today. So we're going to take a quick break, and we will be back in just a minute. Welcome back. You're listening to Say Yes to Spirit. And uh, we love doing the show because it encourages you on your spiritual path. It encourages me on my spiritual path. It encourages Leslie on her spiritual path. And it's just an opportunity to take a little bit of time every week to do that. Our theme this week is prayer consciousness. Uh, But before we get into the theme, we always like to connect the dots with the previous topic that we um, talked about. And so last time our topic was transformation.
our connected dot theme music. It always makes us smile. Um, so, is there a connection between transformation and prayer consciousness? Well, there are lots of, of possible connections. So, we'll just pick a couple of them. When we talked about transformation last time, we talked about transform or transformation being a change in form or substance or appearance. That that something is different from the way it was, you know, before. And I think absolutely when we talk about our prayer consciousness or prayer in general, that prayer is both a process that or a tool or technique you can use to manifest or to create the momentum for transformation. Um, I think a lot of people, when we talk about answered prayer, we are talking about a transformation in a condition or in a person or in a situation. So this might be one of the easiest connect the dots that we have ever, ever had. And one of the things we talked about when we did transformation as a theme was we talked about what ignites transformation. And in that conversation even, we acknowledge that sometimes it is a prayer that starts the transformation, a surrendering to spirit or an acknowledgement that there needs to be help, that we need help to change a situation or to grow into our next level of excellence. And so um, sometimes we think of the prayer, or a prayer, as a way to ignite transformation, to start it, to get it going, to... Um, you know, be the initiation of a new way of being or a new way of seeing a situation. And so it's the consciousness that we are in when we pray that we'll be focusing on today, and it is from that consciousness that the words or the request is made. So real easy link between transformation and uh, prayer consciousness, and that's where we are going Today. So 30 seconds and then we'll come back and jump right into prayer consciousness. Please hang with us. Welcome back. You're here on Say Yes to Spirit. My name is Tracy, and today our theme is prayer consciousness. I love what Stephanie Sorensen says about prayer. She says, it's the power of our word, spoken and unspoken, to manifest through the universal law of mind as the very experiences of our life. It addresses the creative nature of all thought, and the tendency of our individual thoughts and words to take form, not only when we are specifically praying for a desired result, but also as we think and speak in our daily life. Wow. Prayers, the power of our words, spoken and unspoken, to manifest through the universal law of mind as the very experiences of our life. Now, I know some people, when they are praying, um, take the approach of they are begging for a solution or they are um, really, you know, kind of clinging to hope or divine direction or guidance. But Stephanie Sorensen reminds us that it is our prayer, whether it's spoken or unspoken, that allows us to manifest through the universal law of mind as the very experiences of our life. And so it's the consciousness that we are in as we are praying, again, whether it's spoken or unspoken, that create what we manifest in our life. 
So it's really powerful to think about what is my consciousness? Is it a consciousness of of power? Is it a consciousness of clarity? Is it a consciousness of despair? Is it a consciousness of anger? What's my consciousness when I am establishing my intentions or communicating and communing with this energy that we call God or spirit? And if I make the choice to start a prayer, does that shift my consciousness? Well, you know, in the connected dots, what I what I said I think is true connecting with our theme last week from transformation, that often what we say in our prayer and the prayer is the beginning of the transformation. It's, yes. It it right? It, yes. It yes. sets that conscious intention that things are going to be different. Right. And it was interesting if you listen to the show much, you know I'm a therapist, and I, I had an opportunity to do kind of a therapy session along with a practitioner, which was kind of like, oh, my goodness, the, the whole room should be vibrating, right, to have two people in the same room like that. And uh, before the session began, the practitioner prayed us in. And I will say a mental prayer, just kind of asking God for me to become a conduit. When I, before I do therapy, I'll say a prayer to myself. So I'm familiar with that. That kind of consciousness, but to sit in the room and have a practitioner say a prayer out loud before we began the session, the energy within that room was 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 tangibly different. It was yeah. really interesting. I thought, how can I just you know bring a practitioner into every therapy session for the first ten minutes to pray us in? Because that did shift everyone's consciousness in the room, you know, which I thought was interesting because really when I say my prayer, I'm saying it to myself and I'm just, well, that's the thought for today, right? Am I just changing my consciousness or am I changing the, the quote-unquote client's consciousness? But I, I kind of think I'm changing mine, and but that, that practitioner prayer changed the, the participant's, you know, consciousness at the same time as mine. But would we say that my prayer changes all consciousness? <laughs> That's a good question that we absolutely can talk about during this hour. Um, Well, and it's one of the questions that's on the uh, summary of the show today. When you pray, whose consciousness are you changing? And um, and so I, you know, it's it's interesting. When I was growing up, I grew up learning to pray thinking I was changing God's consciousness. Oh, yeah. You know, I was changing the way that God is going to see this Mm -hmm. and redirecting God's priorities to, hey, this is what I need. Come on, look over here. Right, right. You know, you you kind of skipped me or ignored me. I know I'm small, you know, (laughs) but please look at me. I talk really loud. And so this prayer, as I'm saying a prayer, and that Mm -hmm. must make God shift and pay attention because I said, dear God, or, you know, I'm praying now. I'm on my knees kneeling by the side of my bed, and right now I have God's attention. So I'm I'm clearly changing God's consciousness about whatever it is I'm getting ready to pray for. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Well, and often, often mm-hmm. those prayers would be prayers well, when I was really small, you know, you learn. I learned to, you know, do a do nightly prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. Mm, wow, um, really? And um, it it was all about my soul to keep, and then please bless. And you, you know, we would name family members and people who you wanted to be blessed. Now there was no blessing people you didn't like. You know, again, smaller child, right, right. younger child. But the habit of uh-huh. blessing, asking God to pay attention to and bless, you know, these particular people as well as watch over me while mm-hmm. I sleep. But it was all that really set the ground for prayer to be a beseeching. Right. I like that word. You know, but kind of an asking. Right. Uh, right. With a hope to with a hope to receive. Right, and so it really—I mean, really—that's about okay. I'm—I must be changing the consciousness of of God. Mm-hmm. But then, as I got older, even like by my teens, it was like, okay, wait, this kind of doesn't make sense. That God is all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere present, 
And so there's nothing to change in God. Maybe I'm supposed to be looking at changing something in me. But mostly it came out as I need to change something in all these other people. <laughs> you know? And if God is able to do that, go ahead and do that now. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, you're all powerful, you're mm-hmm. all knowing. Come on, change you know, I got you. Right. Change Fred. It's really irritating. Change Jane. She's really <laughs> hypocritical. You know, change, and sometimes change me, change my heart, change, mm-hmm. you know, me into a better person. But it was still, and when you think about it that way, it was still changing God's consciousness or the way God interacted. Um, It wasn't until much later, I mean probably another 10 years in my 20s, before I really began to embrace that when I am praying my best prayer, quote-unquote best prayers, they are simply all about me shifting my perspective and my perception of what is going on around me. And, you know, thinking about this, this topic came up out of something you said last week, which I wish I had recorded, because you really clearly kind of gave the path of the practitioner prayer. You know, we'll just use that as the example, because it's a treatment, and, and y'all are highly trained to do it the right way. So, um, But how it goes out into this consciousness that already is one, and, I, and at some point maybe you can try to recreate that, but... That's what created this topic, and I actually, for the first time, I never usually think about topics today before, but I thought about this topic yesterday, and I thought, you know, this is going to be just fraught with danger, fraught with danger, because it's one of those topics that is so deeply rooted in people's um, belief system that it's so, it's it, and, it, and it goes on one of two planes of, you know, people believe kind of, I think in kind of one of two major ways, either like you're saying, you're praying to a God who will bless you and help you, and if you take that to the extreme example people always use, will cure your cancer or will not, then you have this this thing you have to live with. Well, why did God cure Sally Sue's cancer and not Fred? So there's that kind of the breakdown in that whole idea. And then you have this other kind of belief system that, you know, I'm changing my consciousness, I'm changing some belief in my Self that is not in uh, alignment with the truth of who I am. So I'm, I'm praying to shift that energy. And so when uh, my cancer doesn't get cured, then I didn't pray right. So there breaks down that kind of idea. Mm. So you know, I really think we should come up with a third idea today. That would be my really. Can we come up with a third philosophy that's kind of, you know, breakdownable proof? Is there such a thing? I guess not in humankind. But it is. Those are kind of the two things. Tracy has this like just kind of look on her face like, no, no, Leslie. But anyway, I think it's that's true, though. And I think those two philosophies, and I certainly believe the latter, but I think it's a harsher sort of thing. I'd rather think, you know, I'm being punished by God than think I didn't pray good enough. <laughs> right. You know, I don't want to really be accountable. <laughs> if, I have, if I have a choice, I want to be able to say, damn, that guy, that, you know, it was his fault. Yeah, my fault. There is that thing about accountability and responsibility for our own lives that does create a little bit of a challenge. But I I do have to respond to (laughs) your example. Uh Because, you know, the thing that's interesting about that um, that idea that if I I have a cancer diagnosis Mm -hmm. and I pray and my cancer is not cured, healed, go, doesn't go away, mm-hmm. that I didn't pray right. And what's interesting is, um, and I think it relates to this idea of prayer consciousness, that one, yes, whose consciousness are we changing, but also what are we consciously praying for? So if I have cancer and I am praying for healing, physical, mental, and emotional healing, it may be that my physical body dies and that the cancer grows because the best path for healing whatever is going on for me emotionally or mentally is actual death. But if we look at death as a bad thing Mm -hmm. or a bad outcome, you know, 
then that's what, you know, we have a judgment that about death being a bad outcome. Well, I don't want to die. Well, I mean, I want to die, but if I'm clear that that's my best path to healing or that my work here is done on on earth, because, you know, I, this comes up a lot, even though it's a little off topic for today, but it comes up a lot that in our society when we think of of consciousness for the human race as a whole in this day and time, we can't just die. We have to have a, there has to be a medical event. There, you know, death is medical. I love that, yes. And so since we no longer have a way to simply lay down when when we know from the, you know, at some intuitive level. The American Indians did, yes. Well, the American Indians, that they would walk off into the wilderness and because they knew it was time. And in, you know, death was not in many centuries before us was not a bad thing. Right. It was the normal process of life. Right. But now it's it's like we think death is not a normal part of life, so we have to die of something. Right. We have to, and usually it has to be tragedy or bad. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. it, It is. Right. And so I, you know, I do think that a big part of our statistics around cancer, around heart attack, around, you know, disease, that the human body is a physical form that is going to have illness or disease or breakdowns. But when we get to the point where it's like either I'm saying all the time I don't have anything to give, you know, our consciousness of living Mm -hmm. is there's nothing here for me, I'm bored, I hate my life. Am, Am I really surprised that I then generate or support illness? And you know that you know, what you said is also kind of the caveat. I like to point out caveats in world religions. The caveat of saying, you know, um, that the that the person that that's the divine outcome is the best outcome. That would certainly be on that left side of belief. So, you know, it was it was it was the highest and best good, even though the body didn't, you know, beat quote unquote the cancer. And then the other side, the caveat is, you know, God has a plan that we don't know about. So, so, so we kind of have to create these so that we can, on a human level, justify our belief system. So when it doesn't work, then here's why it didn't work. So I can feel better about my belief system. But what you just said, really, I think, is the ultimate belief. And here's the third belief system. I'm going to start a church later today. Excuse <laughs> 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 church of one. But this is really what I believe, and in, in uh, and I don't, you know, practice it when I'm in any kind of crisis at all. But um, what I really believe is that, that there's this d- divine pattern that is way beyond the human mind, which I am embodying a human body, but that this divine process is infinite and, you know, a thread back to the oneness, which we'll talk more about here, I'm sure, and that that thing, that thing can't lose, can't die, can't suffer, can't have anything unknown to itself occur to itself. Correct. And that it, it it's really just this ride. And it's a it's a ride destined for glory and joy and all the good things. And the more I try to understand it or figure it out or, you know, create stop gaps or caveats, which again is the human mind, I think, then the less I am in the flow of it. And when I'm in the flow of it I have to believe that if I'm fully in the flow of it and my body attracts cancer, then there would be some just full-blown acceptance of, okay, there's something here for me to learn. And I would go into, what is this? What am I What am I supposed to be understanding? What is this gift that I've been given, this cancer, this thing? What am I, you know? And so it would almost be like every day would be like an adventure, new thought, a new game of what am I to learn from these horrible things that are happening to me. And again, I don't really practice that. But I do think that... That would probably be just you know living in that awakened consciousness, or staying in a state of consciousness that that knows all and is all, which is I think available to us in the human experience, but certainly not very very uh, you know it's it's the the human ego is much louder in my mind. 
Well, I don't know if this is good news or bad news. You agree with me? <laughs> well, I agree with you, but I don't know if this is good news or bad news um, that you don't really get to start a new relationship. Oh, it's already you been done. Was, talk, was describe what we teach in science of mind. No, but we have that little caveat thing. I mean, I've heard people talk about it, so the idea, well, the cancer, you know, the body. Exactly what you said. It's a higher good which is for the body to die. We don't. Oh, but the real. stated but, in terms of oh, but the, divine, the, the divine contract or whatever we want to call it, like we talked about a few weeks ago. That, you know, there's some, there's some energy at play. Well, I mean, but that's how I learned it. Oh, to I get see. to that point that there is nothing that can happen outside the circle of God. If I believe that God is good, then right. I believe that everything is somehow interacting in a way that leads to good. Because, you know, we say mm-hmm. a lot that we don't tell, well, I try to not to just tell people when something bad happens to them, oh, that's really good. Mm-hmm. Even though I believe that, what I well, what I believe is, okay, this Thinks right now, this is a terrible, it feels bad, but it must lead to good. And so, you know, if that's true, and if we think of the consciousness of, of God itself right. as being, there's nothing outside of that, and that God is good, God is love, that these attributes of God must express, then we have to believe that anything that's happening from the human perspective, I may have a judgment about it. I may not like it. I, it may hurt. It may be difficult. And if I really believe what I say mm-hmm. about God, mm-hmm. then I have to know that there's a blessing in it or it is part of my journey to my best and highest experience of life, which then goes back to what we did two weeks ago or a few weeks ago about sacred contracts. Right. You know, what is it that I I was choosing? What is it that's my lesson to learn or my gift to give? Mm -hmm. And this might be something that's happening so that I have a certain experience so that either I fulfill my own sacred contract or I am prepared to fulfill my role in someone else's sacred, sacred contract. But in any case, it's not God punishing me Right. Or God having a judgment about me, it's or me not praying right, or, or me, me not, not praying, praying right, right, right. right. It, it's uh, it is a divine design, not a not a predestined, right, not predestined predetermination, right. So much as just it is a part of the divine design of life, living life abundantly, experiencing all that you are to experience in life. And if I really had that attitude, I loved what you said when you said, now, I, I get this intellectually, but that's not where I go when I'm in crisis. Yeah, exactly right. You know, but wouldn't <laughs> if we went If we there, really went there or stayed there. Yeah. Or, right. Then when what we, number one, we wouldn't label quite so many things as a crisis. Right. And even when we did label something as a crisis, we would be really clear. It's a crisis from my human perspective, and it is nothing in the scheme of the eternity of the oneness. It's not a. It's not a crisis. There is no crisis, and I think um, <laughs> that was said in a in a previous show. Somebody reminded me of that the other day that we talked about. You know, if we really live in a spiritual place. There is no crisis. So I have been so not living in a spiritual place. (laughs) I have had one big crisis going on. One right after the other. And a prism effect. Right, right, right. Well, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back and talk about that question, whose consciousness are you changing, how do you know, and um, how does... If you're changing your consciousness, can you change the consciousness of someone else?
welcome back. You're listening to Say Yes to Spirit with Leslie and Tracy. And our theme today is prayer consciousness. When you pray, whose consciousness are you changing? Do different types of prayer require different consciousness? And can one person change the consciousness of another through prayer? Let's start with that one. Can I change your consciousness through my prayer? And you know, this makes me remember a little bit more about what you said, which I thought at the time you were saying, I thought, oh, that's just nutty. But um, that, uh, (laughs) wasn't I good not to say that in real time, but it's all coming back to me. That uh, you said, and I thought it was probably true, philosophically and metaphysically, but it just sounds nutty. That as a practitioner, when you pray for me to, you know, have the abundance that is my divine right, that you've changed your consciousness and whatever happens in my life is really inconsequential because the consciousness has been changed. And I'm like, well, that's just silly. You know, I mean, what's the point? If it, if I don't get money in my bank, who cares that you've had this nice consciousness thing happen in the plane of consciousness and you feel like you've shifted, but there's still, you know, 73 cents in my checking account. Do you remember saying that? <laughs> that you had kind of, you know... It was all good because you changed your consciousness or you had affirmed the consciousness of what it was. See, now that's another thing. Oh, we're just so many tangents. You're not actually changing anything. You're just awakening to or recognizing what is, I think. I feel very strongly about that, that nothing's changing. It's just an awareness or a reawakening. Would you like to start and pick up any of that, any along the line of any of that? Well, yeah, sure. So, in when when... When I pray, and like any of us could say this, when I pray, I am shifting my consciousness away from anything that is not the essential truth, the spiritual truth, my whatever I've been distracted by, mm-hmm. into the universal consciousness that is always the same, that contains all things, okay? So... So when you say, I really haven't changed anything, I haven't changed the essential nature of life, love, law, mm-hmm. but I am changing what I am paying attention to. So when I am distracted by, when when I am in crisis, oh, when I am in crisis about whatever is happening, it's because what where my consciousness is, 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 is paying attention to what's not the the spiritual truth, but maybe what is happening in the physical realm. The fact that so you're changing that. So I'm changing what I am focused on. Mm -hmm. I am changing what I believe in. I am shifting what I'm paying attention to. That is what is changing. And so I'm shifting or changing from human consciousness to spiritual consciousness. Okay, I'm with you there. But you're right. I agree with you that in the realm of spiritual consciousness, Nothing has changed because the wholeness and the perfection of my life has always been mm-hmm. claimed and offered and available in spiritual consciousness. But most of us, most of the time, walk around in our day-to-day life in human consciousness or at the human level of consciousness, looking at what is physically in front of us or what someone said or did and not being in touch or making decisions from the formless consciousness, the subconscious or the intangible place of where spirit resides within us. So when I pray for you or me or anyone, I am praying from that place of my word spoken. What did Stephanie Sorensen say? Um, that the prayer is to manifest through the universal law of mind as the experience of our life, and it addresses the creative nature of all thought and the tendency of our individual thoughts and words to take form, not only when we are specifically praying, but also as we think and speak in our daily life. So um, so there is that part that everything that I'm doing all the time is a prayer, but when I intentionally intentionally stop and do a prayer or do a spiritual mind treatment, then I am intentionally reminding myself and choosing the path of God. That prayer goes into or engages in 
universal mind. So here's a, a, an image that might be helpful. So think of a circle, easy circle, and, and there's nothing that is outside the circle of God. This is the circle of God. There's nothing outside of that. And for this conversation, I'm going to call it universal mind, Uni capital U, universal, capital M, mind. So you're a part of that. I'm a part of that. There's almost 7 billion people who are part of that plus everything else that has been created. So when I shift my consciousness and make sure that I, my consciousness is now in alignment with universal mind, and let's say I'm a circle, and just this is not, I'm not doing this from a mathematical or linear perspective, but just for purpose of discussion, let's imagine I am a circle that half overlaps into universal mind and half is outside of universal mind. No, I didn't think you think it was outside of universal mind. I, yes, I know. <laughs> but I'm, for this visual, uh, let's say uh, your human part is outside of the operating part of universal mind. Let's just, just for an image. <laughs> okay. Because yes. it's not possible. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, just for an image. Okay. So if, if I'm being distracted and morphing out of what is universal mind and being distracted by the human. When I'm praying, I'm like putting myself all back in to universal mind on that side. And there is that part of you that is, you know, operating in universal mind as well. So that's the, the idea that when I shift my consciousness, when I pray for you, I am denying the power of whatever happened to you to really be in charge of you. I am claiming that you are the expression of God in the form of Leslie. I am claiming all of that part of you that your experience is representing the perfection or the joy or the abundance or the prosperity that exists, that is the truth. It is the only truth of life. And what we, what we experience as crisis is not the truth of our life. And so it's not what God intended, it's not what God designed, it's not representing the qualities of God, and that's why visually, just in terms of imagery, <laughs> it works to have a part of your mm. circle be outside of that, because you're not operating with the, within universal principle. You're not operating within the design of God. You're not operating within, you know, all of those qualities and aspects. So when I pray and I am in alignment with that, I'm dropping that into the universal mind, which you are a part of as well. So that's why it's like I don't care if you consciously in that part that's a little See, that's that outside I don't care of the part. I don't care as what gets here. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's change that. Yeah. I am not. I'm not worried. I am not concerned. I'm not worried because it's going to be okay. I am not concerned mm -hmm, mm -hmm. about that part because I know that once I have reaffirmed and reestablished what is the truth of you mm -hmm. and it is in universal mind, that part of you that is operated by, guided by, directed by, gets your intuition from universal mind, has also been shifted because I am one with that. Every one of us is one with with that. Right. So sometimes when our treatments or when our prayers don't manifest, what's happening is it comes to caveat. There's no caveat. <laughs> I think I think it's, it's just what okay. really happens. Is I'm it? not yeah. when you pray for me uh -huh. and then I don't see the result. Uh -huh. Mostly, it's you know the class I'm going to be doing soon about are you ready to receive? Oh, you know I say I say what no. I want, mm -hmm. but even when I get the intuition to go in a certain direction, I go oh that will never work, right? So or I'm watching myself. I get the you know I get distracted by right, I, and I'm already so attached to the crisis that I don't even notice or that I'm not doing the affirmation that when I thought of it made me feel really good, you know? And so it's not about fault. I think it's about our, I think it is about where is our consciousness. And the human part of us 
that is protected by the ego. The ego says, oh, that's not going to work anyway. Oh, well, you know, this is what you deserve. Remember, when since you were three years old, you know, your dad said money doesn't grow on trees, it's hard to come by, or, you know, all the stories that different people have as part of their personal individual history. See, my religion would not have any of that bother. It would just be about this, you know, popping out into awareness of who we are and being able to walk through walls. Then it wouldn't be a religion. What would it be? Because <laughs> religions have structure <laughs> and oh, process yeah. no, no, and... No, no. We just, you know, I could actually, I could actually imagine you creating a religion because then you get to create all the rules. That's true, I and that. the punishments and, the, and consequences. And the, the, the 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 reality of it. You know, there is an interesting um, kind of paradox for me as a therapist in seeing <laughs> the importance of healing from trauma, healing from crisis, healing in in a human aspect the idea of shifting consciousness and saying, okay, I'm, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, God got this. I'm thinking of the women in the jail have a real, uh, you know, it's a classic thing people talk about, you know, jailhouse conversions. People that come yeah. in and have a, you know, have a really crisis going on, you know, you're really looking for God. And, um, and I see that in, in the whole from zero to a hundred where, you know, it's an authentic spiritual transformation to it's just trying to get God to, you know, help me get right. through the day and make sense of this so that I can go back out and do drugs again. Um, you know, everything in between. But there's something within me that has such a strong feeling of the the, the need to have compassion for and um, process through and experience the emotions of the crisis as a therapist to get through that. Um, and that's one of the things I really try to do with the women is you, know, you kind of got them in a box container where if they can get through some of those feelings, get some nurturing from some of this trauma that's happened in their life, then some real psychological change can happen at the same time the spiritual awakening is happening. And that to me seems to be sort of the trifecta, you know, the, the perfect good storm because in a strange way just having this spiritual experience quote unquote may not hold if you have an eye you know the 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 eye and the human experience the little tiny eye getting back out in the world something will trigger that that trauma experience so if i haven't healed that on a human level then i'm almost not giving myself all the opportunity and so it's such a mixed bag in my mind because I just believe both ends. I believe there can be this pure spiritual transformation, the Eckhart Tolle moment. But for most of us, I think it's a process of you know a mixture of when we are in crisis. Even though at the end of the day, living in my Christ consciousness, there is not a crisis, but my human is experiencing a crisis. So exactly. I need to be held or be loved or be cared for, and be soothed and be nurtured. And then it's like I'm more awakened. And I think maybe that was part of this whole experiment known as the human the human experiment. The human experience. The human, the experiment. human experiment. Um, yeah. Where we're, you know, supposed to be the, 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 the designed to help each other, to give compassion, to give love, and to give consolence. Right. I, I agree with you. And, you know, one of the, one of the, more, one of the more difficult things for me to grapple with and to understand when I was, you know, in the process of, of training and becoming a practitioner and a licensed spiritual coach, one of the, you know, everybody has their own things that they, they struggle with or that they're kind of like, I hear what you're saying, but I just don't get it. Right. And one of them for me was the whole idea uh, that there is no process of healing, but there's process in healing. And here's what's meant by that. Mm -hmm. That because there is no time and space in the spiritual realm, accepting the the truth, the essential nature of who you are or of life or God, 
you know, it shifts everything just like that in the snap of a finger in the blink of an eye. There's no process that must be gone through. It already is. because Right. And so at the same time, what you just described is the process in healing, that once I have that realization or in order for me to truly get it from a human perspective, there are times when things need to go through a process in time and space, either because that's what it takes for me to retrain my ego or that's what it takes for me to really believe it, even though I believe it intellectually, but to believe it in in life. Or um, going back to our early example of cancer, it may be like, you know, we've seen dozens, if not hundreds, of examples of people who feel they had a miraculous cure, and they will tell their story of, I got the diagnosis and I was devastated, but I decided that that was not my truth. And like on in the movie The Secret, the woman who talks about, you know, for two months or two weeks or two months, however long it was, she and she and supported by her husband only watched comedy Comedy. movies Uh and comedies and laughed. And you know, her whole thing was to be happy. And so and so for her, her path to do that was to watch all these movies and laugh, 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 laugh. And by the time she went back in, there was no trace of the cancer. That was a process that she, that helped her believe that her true essential nature was health, and it showed up in physical form. And so the process in the transformation in the physical sometimes does require time. So your example about the women in the jail or anyone, you know, it's, I, I never say therapy is a bad thing or traditional talk therapy right. or psychotherapy or, you know, that it's a great thing because the way our human brain works, sometimes even when we believe something at a heart level, we have to convince ourselves through a logical process right. of talking about or finding what we think is the cause and, you know, weaving it out. And, and healing and healing the that ourselves and ourselves. so it's not it is it is a both and yeah you know you may be able to do a prayer one time we should just always call that the Eckhart Tolle method and shift right and literally be done with whatever it was right and you may need to do some other things for something else. And neither one is right or wrong. The spiritual reality is that none of that is necessary. Right. But the human reality is that our human consciousness is is not always completely operating in the universal mind. Darn it. See now you're gonna really you're gonna catch flack for that whole image thing where something was outside the universal mind because that can't be. But anyway, that's right. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Flat in a pure Flag. in a pure. Flag. I don't care. <laughs> you know, it's what what is that? It's just to help. Yes. Uh, we use a we use an image um, a lot actually in in classes that will be three circles yes. with you know the overlap and over the middle circle but just to help people see. That that the overlap. Um, so I don't see it as a conflict. I see it as a learning tool. And if it bothers you and you're listening to the show, feel free to email me. I, <laughs> because it, but it makes your mind stretch more. It makes my mind stretch more if I try to see that image of the thing that we are saying is outside of the circle cannot be outside of the circle. So how does that work? How do I get in this? This stinking thinking that 12 Steps talk about, or this negative mindset, this ego-centered time, and it's still a part of God. If nothing is outside of God, see, that's more of a mind warp. Well, here's how I reconcile it for me. I don't know if it helps for you. No, no, that would would earn (laughs) flat. That would be worthy of... I think we should call um, it the devil. Or the enemy. The enemy is a good one. They always say the enemy is on the pod at the jail. 
Um, I know, but that would be worthy of getting some flag. But, but that would be we're something not that some people believe, that. right, right. We're not going to say that. Um, but the way that, for me personally, I reconciled that was that the human experience, the humanity, the way our brain works, the way we process information and experiences is a divine design. The human, you know, the idea that from conception, here she goes. Well, you're not going to be able to do it. You're gonna well, say, no, 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 I'm not. No, okay. this is the way it works for me. Okay. It may not work for anybody okay. else. So I'm not trying to get you to you or anyone listening to agree with me. But the idea that that the creation of a human being, uh-huh. that that is a part of the creation of a human being to to have to process information in the way that human beings process information just like which which affects our decisions and our actions and the free will that we are given to follow whatever we process and choose. Just like a cat has its own design to be however it is, or a giraffe has its well, own so design. So you have to become a cat like a cat doesn't have the same design as we do? No, don't go Or on. a giraffe has its own design, <laughs> or an orchid has its own design, yes, yes. or, um, you know, everything has its own design. And so part of the design of a human, of a human being or of the human experience is that your free will and you, the way your brain is designed uh-huh. to choose to analyze, uh-huh. to to have free will to yes. act yes. gives you the freedom to act in ways uh-huh. that don't look like the divine, the divinity that you are at your essential nature. So they're like a mirage that's in the circle. And so I don't know, that wording doesn't work for me, but if it works for you, that's fine. Um, so it's inside the circle because I am being the way I've been designed to be as a human but they are choices that have me behaving in a way that are not a part of my spiritual nature. They're my human nature. Uh-huh. And so in that sense, they are inside the circle. But visually, when you're trying to understand within yourself that you have both a human nature and a spiritual nature, it's just visually easy for our brain, which is linear, to picture it as I'm, I have a foot in both worlds, or I have a foot in both conscious consciousnesses, and prayer is what, or treatment is what, is totally in alignment with this essential nature of who I am. So what am I doing with this other stuff? I can choose to act in ways that are in alignment with God. And see, my brain, if I can, if I force my brain to see nothing outside the circle, mm-hmm. then my little crisis or my little dysfunctional situations become part of the divine design. Yes, that works. And I'm trying to think how then that... Because certainly the divine design is so The whole. divine design is you can do whatever you want to do. You have free, as a human being, you have free, free will. And, and God has no judgment about what you do or not do. It's humanity that says this is good or this is bad. This is right or this is wrong. Spirit doesn't have that judgment. It's really interesting, like, to wrap my brain around that idea that to put everything in that circle causes, you know, even the the thing I would say is not in alignment with my true self would have to be within the bounds of my true self. Oh, that's far too deep. My head hurts. Does it, do you see my head hurting? It's hurting. I see your head too hurting. Much. And so back to our theme today oh, is yes. what consciousness are we in when we pray or the consciousness of prayer I, I am going to stay with your last example just for a minute. If, if we want to talk about it as everything within the circle of God and not do the confusing piece about a, you know overlap, then when I pray about your best and highest good, mm-hmm. it's in the circle. Right. 
And so, so it hasn't been in the circle. It, you know, and then what you said earlier, Fitz, it's always been in the circle. I'm not introducing anything mm-hmm. new into the circle. And you still have free will. So when I am shifting my consciousness about what I believe about you, you've told me all the bad things that are happening or, you know, all the fears or all of what's broken. And I, in my prayer, in my treatment, deny that any of that has any power, and I know the truth of who you are, you know, I am putting my consciousness into the spiritual part of the circle about you. But And, and that does that shift your consciousness? It expands that part. <laughs> but you still have the ability through free will to choose whatever you want to choose to do. And, you know, um, I have had sangha, I'm in a sangha now, and I've had prayer partners or prayer groups throughout my life, and I've absolutely experienced things happening based on the energetic prayer of others. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> so we had asked that question earlier, you know, can, you know, can, and whether it changes my consciousness or just my external experience. Well, maybe it changes it's both. Your external and, experience can't right. change if your consciousness doesn't change. Oh, interesting, interesting. Because so, somebody else praying isn't, they're not doing something to you. See, there you go. They're, they're holding a space for you. They're affirming what you have set as an intention, but they're not doing something to you. So in order for your physical experience to change, your consciousness has to to change. As my uh, spiritual teacher, Reverend Beatrice, would say, she's the place card holder. I love that. Of what is possible. I love that. What spiritual practice could I do to enhance my consciousness? Just be conscious. Just pray. (laughs) Just pray. Affirmations. That could be a bumper sticker. Just pray. Probably is a bumper sticker. Somewhere. Just. Pray. And to to do um to do a consciousness check. I had a therapist that told me a a, a bit about that I could tell how mentally um sort of clear and clean I was by my road rage, my reaction to people that did bad things to me on the road. If I was in a good place mentally I didn't feel the need to, you know, cut them off the next turn. And um so I do think there's there's little ways each of us can know if if our is in a good spot or not. So I'm going to come up with that for my week practice to look at, do a consciousness check each, you know, hour would be nice. Remember when I did the Course in Miracles, I actually set that timer on my phone for, you know, once an hour to do the meditation, the reading, but to try to get into the idea of where's my consciousness right now. And just asking that question, Will bring my consciousness back to spirit, won't it? It absolutely will. It's that, isn't it? It's a easy practice. As they say in AA, it's so simple, it's hard. <laughs> well, that is about all the time we have for prayer consciousness this week. So glad you joined us, and so glad that you um, have listened to the show, whether live or by recording. Please check the schedule for upcoming topics, and if you have a suggestion for a topic, please let us know that as well. And until we talk again, say Say yes yes to to spirit. spirit.